0: One of the things I think that's really encouraging now is having lived in Northern California, I've seen that San Francisco is now too expensive for startups and small entrepreneurial businesses. So they're setting up in Denver, Colorado or Washington State that's what adelaide can be in australia and it's starting to change i've seen a change in attitude i've seen a change in focus and it's ideal like again we're a city that's big enough to have all the services and a market that's big enough to be a test bed now we've got the space center in adelaide we've got the startup community and i can see a venture capital philosophy starting to come through from my perspective having lived internationally i think that's the real opportunity not just for our business but for all of the adelaide business community
1: Welcome to episode 140 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from people who inspire and motivate others to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing, and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. The rise of electric cars is happening across the globe, although Australia is currently lagging behind when it comes to cleaner, greener transport options. However, a recent study funded by Jaguar claims two-thirds of Australians will have an electric car within the next 10 years. Mark Harrington is a pioneer in eco-friendly business, recognising the potential and untapped market of green transport by delivering chauffeured or leased hybrid and fully electric cars. In the age of ride-sharing and Uber, MyCar is a door-to-door, on-demand, individually tailored service that is set to shake up Adelaide's approach to transport. In today's episode of Be The Drop, Mark describes the challenges of being the first to market. He discusses why he uses a collaborative approach and how his adaptability has been critical to allow for future expansion. This is Mark's version of Be The Drop. Considering starting your own podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or, if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, I also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more. Mark. Thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be the Drop. Thanks for having me. And your item of significance for the first time ever was too large. We could not bring it into the studio here. It is outside, but we, you know, we'll make sure we get a photo so people can have a look. But tell us what your item of significance is and how that connects you with what you do and the community around you.
0: I drove in in a plug-in hybrid electric car, so my car dot green. We have. Hybrid cars. We have plug-in hybrid cars, and we have pure electric cars. So this was the, the one in the middle of the range. Um, and yeah, we run a passenger service using electric and hybrid vehicles.
1: Great. And how long have you been doing that, Mark?
0: Uh, about twelve months now.
1: So what is it that got you involved in this? You know, there is things like Uber in play, which is obviously you know taking a big part of the market. What is it that's different about what you do, and why did you want to do that?
0: I started because I saw Uber coming to Australia. That's something that we had originally. And then electric vehicles weren't something that was being used here, even though we've got a lot of renewable power. So I bought some technology from California and from London and combined it in Adelaide. That's actually very sophisticated. That allows you to have integrated journeys Combine your flight with your car trip, with your bus trip, with a train trip, with a scooter trip, but also make it very personalised. So you can say, I want a female driver, or I want a baby seat. And if you want a baby seat, do you want a child seat, or do you want an infant capsule? So it's um, designed as an alternative to having your own car, as opposed to just a rideshare app.
1: Mm. And so, what? Why is it that you think it's important that there's a green element to this? You know that you've got the hybrid and the hybrid mixes and the, and the different styles of environmentally friendly cars?
0: I think it's the way of the future. So great for the environment, but it's also good for the individuals. So what I think is not emphasised at all with electric vehicles is that traditional vehicles produce toxic fumes. So in cities, especially in the central area of cities, where breathing in, especially as we start riding bikes and walking more between meetings and um, our workplaces, we're breathing in toxic fumes all the time. So that's ridiculous when there's an electric vehicle option. Then also like in that, especially in South Australia, half of our power now comes from solar and wind. That power is only generated when the wind blows or the sun shines, but we can charge the cars anytime.
1: Mm. And, you know, I think that's probably one of the conversations around electric cars is the charging. You know, is there advancements is that in that space, do you see that that will really help rise the profile of electric cars?
0: So one of the misunderstandings I've seen in the election campaign is people say, well, electric cars are going to put more pressure on our electrical system, which is totally untrue. It's the opposite. Electric cars take the pressure off as we move to renewables because we're better utilising the network. And we've got a technology that was developed in Adelaide as well, where we can export power from the car batteries. So if there's a shortage both a price spike or um, potential for there to be blackouts, we can plug the cars in and offload power into the grid to support that. So we're not just taking power when it suits the grid, we can also save the grid in an emergency.
1: Mm. So so explain that. So that means that the car can actually put power back back into into the the grid grid.
0: so you can use all the car batteries in the same way as we've got the giant tesla battery at jamestown we can have a giant tesla battery it's just running around adelaide in multiple of our cars
1: so there is a lot of ways that this can be integrated into you know how, how we consume energy absolutely and you mentioned you know there's been a lot of conversation power and electricity and the environment have become quite political conversations and you do work with the government here in South Australia to help provide transport for them, is that right?
0: We do some transport for the government and then we also um, participate in a whole range of different community outreach and demonstration days, so like the Tonsley Innovation Precinct Open Day, we have electric car trials in Franklin Street, Um, we participate in all the different conferences, so we provide services for the Fringe, for the Festival, for the Arts and Film Festival. Hybrid World, Adelaide, all of these different conventions taking the VIPs and patrons.
1: Mm. And so then, you know, they've got a green element to those events as well.
0: And it's a wow factor. When someone is a VIP and they get picked up in a Tesla X with gullwing doors and they notice there's no engine um, and it's got Spotify and it's got driver autonomous technology, um, That's all quite impressive as you're coming in from the airport listening to your favourite song without the driver having his hands on the wheel.
1: Yeah. So tell me a bit about that autonomous driving. What's happening and where are we really at with that?
0: Yeah, so that's over, I think that's something that's over-egged. I think it's going to take years before we go to full autonomous. But in the meantime, like the Teslas already will drive in autonomous mode in a straight line. So
1: Mm. So explain to us then, you mentioned there's quite a few different types of electric cars and different variations of them can you just briefly explain a little bit about the variations and what is available on the market
0: okay so one extreme in australia at the moment is the nissan leaf which is a small hatchback electric car so that's purely electric and at the other end is the tesla Um, and what's starting to come out now is more vehicles in the middle of the market so the tesla model 3 is going to be released later this year hyundai have already released electric vehicles onto the australian market and what's more important is um, at the end of this year, it's going to become possible for us to import electric vehicles secondhand from other countries. So other countries are subsidising electric vehicles, which mean they have lower cost electric vehicles on their secondhand market. We currently can't import them into Australia. But as those rules are opened up at the end of this year, we'll be able to import lower-cost second-hand electric vehicles from Japan and the UK and South Africa.
1: Mm. So overall across the globe, what is the market for electric cars?
0: It varies. You know, like Australia, it's 0.1% or something of new vehicle sales. In um, Norway, it's 50%, so mm-hmm. the full range in between.
1: And so then, and then as well as electric cars, you've also got a mix of petrol and
0: so the cheapest electric car in australia would be a hybrid so for example we have toyota camry's that doesn't take power from the grid at all but what it does is when you're going down a hill or braking instead of that being wasted energy it's going into charging the battery so you always have the efficiency of an electric and a traditional engine running in combination. So the car will always use whichever is more efficient. So at low speed or taking off from lights, it'll be the electric engine. And then when it's faster, it will be more heavily reliant on a um, petrol engine.
1: And so, and what, you know, is there more, what's the percentage mix of hybrid versus electrical cars in the market?
0: In Australia, hybrid cars are becoming much more popular. So I don't know the percentages, but there'd be a couple of percent of hybrid vehicles now, whereas it's only a fraction of a percent of electric vehicles. As electric vehicles become lower cost to buy, and one thing we're doing is leasing electric vehicles, so we'll wear the upfront costs and then the customer or the leaseholder can get the benefit of reduced energy costs. So electric car costs a lot less to run and um, a lot less to maintain. So a pure electric car is running purely on electricity. So if you've got solar panels at home, you can run it at extremely low cost. And then um, the cost of maintenance is basically changing tyres. So costs of an electric vehicle are significantly less, but it costs you more to buy the car up front. So that's why we started leasing cars so people can get the the longer term benefits but spread the financing costs over the life of the vehicle.
1: Mm, Yeah and as you mentioned if you know secondhand cars are going to come in at the end of the year that's going to increase that as well.
0: We'll be doing more and more leasing than when we can import the secondhand cars.
1: From a business perspective you know what has been your biggest challenges in building this business?
0: Our biggest challenge has been explaining to people that they get a better service that's green at the same price people seem to think that they're going to pay more for a green service which they don't.
1: And then so you know that that green aspect has that been really beneficial for the business?
0: We haven't seen that in Adelaide as much as we might have hoped. So in other markets with similar companies people and in particular corporations have taken up the green option and in Adelaide we haven't seen a predisposition towards green if it's at the equivalent cost. So there's only been a f- a small number of businesses that have taken up that opportunity to be a green business. And we're hoping that will change in future, but also other markets like Sydney and Melbourne have a much larger corporate presence and a predisposition towards environmental purchasing.
1: So is then your plan to then go into Sydney and Melbourne?
0: Exactly. So Melbourne in particular, Melbourne doesn't have a train from the airport, so there's no green option. It has a long freeway, which suits autonomous vehicles.
1: Mm. Well, and Melbourne has been traditionally quite a green voting place, hasn't it?
0: The centre of Melbourne um, actually has green members of parliament, so, yeah. which is the only place in Australia that has that. So.
1: Mm. And then, so how do you go about building this business and getting people to know about that?
0: We've been basically trialling different options, to be honest today. Social media, that's had some success, but directly reaching out to government and to corporates has been what's been most successful. So trying to find the right people and explaining to them why our service is better, irrespective of the fact that it's green.
1: You're also involved in, and this has recently come up as well, the conversations around transport options and, for example, on-demand buses. So you've had conversations around that. Can you explain a little bit about that and how you think this all links in together?
0: What we've been advocating and was pleased to see today that the government's taken us up on the challenge is to have multiple modes of transport that you can all book through our app. So our app's designed that you can have these multi-mode trips so what that means is um, for the from the government's perspective if you're in an area where there's low utilization at a particular time of day of a bus service instead of running a bus we can run an electric car, and then we can connect you to either your destination or another form of transport. So it could be a train, a combined trip, which is a taxi trip to the train station and a train ride, which saves the government the cost of running a bus. From a passenger point of view, I get a taxi picking me up from my door now that's electric and green, instead of having to run a diesel bus with one or two people on it which i have to walk to so mm-hmm. i get a green benefit but i also get a much better service because i get a door-to-door service i just interchange with a train train trip And then we also increase the utilisation of our train lines.
1: So realistically, it's around the low usage times. So this is where the on-demand comes in. Instead of filling buses who are just trundling along a set route, guzzling diesel or whatever it is that they're using with nobody in them potentially, you're saying that we could somehow manage it so that people can get more individually tailored services?
0: Exactly. And they can book it all on one app. So if we can access the scheduling and payment system for public transport, you can just pay through your app and we'll automatically pick up the public transport subsidy so you're not paying anything more and you get an on-demand service.
1: Mm. So all these things are really opening up, but obviously I can imagine that that's going to have to go through quite a few hurdles because you're talking about integration with the government and private services and changing philosophy around people's expectations, I suppose, you know, because we're used to having buses run on a, on a timetable, even if they're not necessarily um, the most effective or efficient usage of that resource.
0: Yeah, the technology aspects the easy bit. The hard bit is the cultural change. Today we heard the Labor Party on the radio. They're talking about how this is going to interrupt the unions and the jobs that the bus drivers have. So that's a cultural change. Then people, like you say, consumers are going to have to think differently about how they order services. What happens if it's an elderly person that doesn't have good use of technology? Do they have a telephone number that they can call so they don't have to rely on using an app? So all of those things, I think, will be more difficult than the actual underlying technology. But on that point, you know, like in Sydney, there's already some trials. So some examples in Sydney are at uh, Manly, you can take an Uber from your door to the Manly ferry terminal so instead of using up car parks at the manly ferry terminal and running cars inefficiently you can either not have a car or leave your car at home and take an uber to the ferry terminal and that costs you the same as if you'd taken a bus but it's a door-to-door service Um, Adelaide's a perfect test market because we're about a million people. We have low utilisation of some of our public transport. We have high penetration of renewables, so we've got a lot of wind and a lot of solar compared to other states. It's ideal. Adelaide is the best place to do this. Some of the markets where this first started were Scandinavian countries where they have a more socialist approach to it. So business and government have sat down together and they've come up with ways of having these um, multi-modal transport systems. So the capital of Sweden and of Scandinavia, from their perspective, has a population of a million people. So Stockholm is no bigger than Adelaide.
1: Mm. So how do we take that and apply that here?
0: Well, one of the things I think that's really encouraging now is um, having lived in Northern California, I've seen that San Francisco is now too expensive for startups and small entrepreneurial businesses, so they're setting up in Denver, Colorado, or even Utah or Washington State. That's what Adelaide can be in Australia, and it's all, it's starting to change. I've seen a change in attitude. I've seen a change in focus. So there's a lot more entrepreneurial, small startup businesses starting in Adelaide, and it's ideal. Like again, we're a, we're a city that's big enough to have all the services and... A market that's big enough to be a test bed, but we're small enough that it costs are lower and um, getting access to the people you need to work with is easier. And now we've got the Space Centre in Adelaide, we've got the startup community, and I can see a venture capital philosophy starting to come through. So some of the like family-owned entrepreneurial businesses of the past are now starting to morph into being the investors in some of these entrepreneurial businesses, which I think is good. It's like a generational change in those businesses, but it's also a change in the culture of Adelaide. And that's, from my perspective, having lived internationally, I think that's the real opportunity, not just for our business, but for all of the Adelaide business community.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's exciting. It is. It's really good. Like, you know, I feel really pleased to hear that, you know, and that's what we want. That's what we need. So I think that's really great. It must be very exciting to be part of that.
0: Yeah, it's challenging as well when you're um, starting, as you would know, when you're one of the first in that Um, Market, but yeah, like I feel like it's all the makings of um, a successful entrepreneurial, dynamic business culture are there in Adelaide. We've just the only thing holding us back is ourselves, and I think that's that's why I'm getting excited because I can feel like those drops are starting to fall down the waterfall now, and momentum's gathering, and once. Once you get like a a core and an ecosystem, then it will be self-fulfilling. Like I've seen that happen. Government can help, but it's really business that have to to change.
1: So then for you, what is the advice do you think that really helps that? Like, you know, if you had to come up with a be the drop tip to how to help communicate and collaborate and do that, what is your number one advice for people if we really want to create this momentum?
0: What I try and do is shy away from people that are being protective and insular and put my time and energy into those that are open and collaborative so that's just my personal approach to it we'll see if that's successful or not but I think if we had that as a general philosophy in business and in government, we'd be streets ahead of any other state.
1: And then also, just to expand on the on the advice aspect, to other people who want to start up, want to get involved in this space, that you know they're listening and they think, yes, I've got these ideas, I want to do things. What are some of the advice around getting involved in startup and going on the entrepreneurial journey? How, you know, is there any sort of tip that you can give to help? Because as you mentioned, it's challenging, it's hard, and you don't always know what's going to happen. Next, what is some advice you could give?
0: Don't underestimate the challenges, and be prepared to be nimble and flexible. You can't think that you can um, have a strategy workshop weekend and come up with the ideal strategy. Like part of it, it, part of an entrepreneurial culture is being able to change um, as the market changes. Like when we started looking at an electric vehicle passenger service, the whole market has changed. Uber didn't exist. The only electric cars available in Australia were Teslas. You know, being able to change and be flexible has been critical for us.
1: Mm, So evolve as everything else does. (laughs) Or else be left behind. Exactly. All right. Thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you.